Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in the Miami Heat podcast. Joined again by the champ, Norris Cole, coming straight out of Vegas. Norris, say what's up to everybody. The champ is here. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode. We in the building. What's up, Sean? I'm doing good. How was uh how was your trip out to summer league? Oh, it was nice. It was hot. Whew, Vegas is hot, I'm telling you. But, but I was out there getting some good work in. Uh, me and my trainer, Dan Remy. You know, we got some good work in, worked out, you know, with some of the other NBA guys, you know, in front of some of the league scouts and you know, things like that. And it was it was a good experience just to kind of break up the monotony of training in the same place. Yeah, business trip, right? Not a, not a pleasure trip like most people go to Vegas. This was strictly no, business. No, it was definitely, definitely a business trip for sure. Thanks for listening to this week's Believe Miami Heat podcast. I want to give you a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. It's where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures of who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. Visit the website today. Use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your sports book experts. So we want to start off talking about summer league because that's you know really just ended recently. The the last summer league game ended as we record this just a little bit ago. Uh, the Heat fell to the Mavericks in that last summer league game, but over the last few weeks, the Heat have participated uh, in Sacramento, also over in Vegas. I know Norris was there and got to check out the Heat a little bit, and it's been a topic that a lot of Heat fans have been talking about because it's really the only basketball that we have right now. And it's going to be the only basketball we have for about six more weeks. So we'll have to uh, settle with some football until we get back to basketball later in the fall. And, you know, just starting with the Heat Summer League roster and, and really the guy that has stood out and really put his name out there is Omer. And, uh, you know, just dominated really every time he got on the floor. So, Norris, what did you think about Omer? And, and, and you know, like, what do you think maybe translates with him when he gets to the real NBA games? Well, one, he he had a presence. He let his presence be felt on both ends of the court. You know, he contested shots at the rim. Um, he defended, rebounded. And then on the offensive end, he was efficient. When he caught the ball, he scored efficiently. And he also had some touch. He had some shooting touch. You know, he could shoot. He got a little bit of range for a big fella. So, you know, he showed me that when he's out there, he lets his presence be known, which is important for a big in this NBA. Yeah, I was really impressed with, his ability to seal inside that he did a really good job of, I mean, they didn't really have another big, but sort of high, low passes and he would seal and catch it and keep it high and just finish. And I, Absolutely. I think that pairs really, I think it pairs well with bam. Right. I mean, he's the type of guy that you can play off of each other. And like you said, the touch that he has from the outside, those pick and pop type situations, he, he just seems like a guy that if he can develop down the road, he can be a perfect fit next to bam. Who's the franchise. I definitely think he'll he'll be able to give some relief minutes to Bam. Um, it's a little it's a little change up because you know obviously he doesn't you know handle the ball as well as Bam does. But like you said, he seals in the lane. Uh, he's a big body. He can catch and finish. And defensively, you know that's you know that's that's what I actually saw the most. Other than his you know obviously buckets, but defensively, I saw him go toe to toe and block shots with some high risers out there. Some guys tried to test him tried to dunk on him, tried to finish on top of him, and he met him right at the apex, and he blocked and altered a bunch of shots, which is going to be important. Yeah, I definitely saw that also. What do you think about, you know, he's he's still a young, raw guy. You know, he's he's out of Georgetown, who has a great history of producing big men, all the way back to Patrick Ewing. But his foot speed, 
And yes, he can protect at the rim, but are, are you concerned at all? You know, right now he's not a finished product, but his ability to maybe, is he going to have to be a drop type big or is he going to be able to get to the level of the screens? How do you, how did you see that? Do you think that's a concern? I mean, that's obvious. That's always a concern, you know, to, to see how well the big can move his feet side to side with starter level talent. You know, obviously, you know, summer league is a little different. He, you know, he looked good in the summer league, um, but I'm not sure how he's going to look, you know, going up against, you know, those first and second string, you know, point guards and shooting guards at the NBA level. I'm interested to see that. I didn't, I didn't see enough to be able to say, yeah, I believe that he can do that. But I also didn't see enough where I totally doubt it either. Um, I think it's going to depend on how well, you know, they down, keep the ball down on the sidelines. We call it an ice defense. Um, if the Heat decide to do an ice defense and keep the ball to the sideline, I believe he definitely can, you know, shuffle two or three steps to keep the ball on the sideline for sure. In the middle of the court, I'm not sure yet. You know, I didn't see enough. I didn't see him go up against enough dynamic guards to be able to, you know, make a judgment one way or the other. Yeah, and I don't know if it was a game that you were at, but the the Memphis game where we we eventually had the Max Bruce walk-off uh, game winner, the play that he made kind of instinctually to jump up and trap at the end, he got a deflection and ended up, uh, I think Giroux threw him an oop after the turnover. I think we were down two. We kind of trapped up at the half-court line, you know, and, and he played against Jonathan Kaminga, who he might be one of the best athletes in summer league. And, and he right. hung in there. So I just, I just like, you know, he has weaknesses. Let's, let's get that out there. I mean, all these guys are in summer league. They have things they have to develop on, but he just seems to compete. He seems to go out there and, and try to impose his will on the game. So at the very minimum, he's a guy that you got to be excited about if you're a heat fan. Absolutely. He brings what, what we're all about here at the heat culture. And that's the competitive spirit. He was competing at the highest level. He competed skill-wise. He competed athletically. You know, he adjusted. He made adjustments. You know, he got better each game. And so, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, when young players come in, that's what they're expected to do, have that competitive spirit. And he definitely demonstrated that, like you said, going against some of the top athletes in the summer league out there. All right. And if it wasn't Omer that stood out, it was definitely Max Spruce. And he was Absolutely. on the roster last year. And my goodness, uh, he he impressed me in things that I guess I didn't know he could do. There's been a lot of, I think, lazy analysis sometimes that he's been painted into this picture of he is the next Duncan Robinson. And they just play two different styles of basketball. The way that he handles the ball, the way that he operates, getting to the basket, his physical, he just looks bigger and stronger. And maybe you saw a little bit better in person. He just looks like he's added a lot of muscle to his body. What did you see out of Max Bruce? Because he may be a guy we depend on next year. Well, he definitely obviously can shoot the rock. <laughs> he can definitely keep the floor spaced. Um, obviously, he's not Duncan Robinson. Um, we don't want to get carried away with that. But, you know, he showed he showed what he was supposed to show. He showed that he had some experience. You know, the experience that he had last year in the NBA, you can tell out there at Summer League that he was one of the guys that had some NBA playing time. And I believe that, you know, the minutes – that he will be able to play. I'm not sure how many minutes that'll be, but I'm sure once he gets out there, he go, he's going to know his role. And that's to space the court, you know, and be aggressive when he gets a chance to get those mismatches. Yeah, and to speak to the experience that you mentioned, there were times where they did uh, the mic'd up part on ESPN or on NBA TV, and they showed him barking out, you know, who the guy should be that's, you know, helping over, where this guy should be, pushing people on offense. He's been through it, and it was good to see him be a leader in that setting. He's not going to necessarily be the leader 
when we get back to Miami, but for him to step into that role as sort of the summer league veteran, I, I really was encouraged to see that it showed that he was comfortable in his understanding and good enough to teach it to other people. Well, that's what it's about. And that's what, that's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see the next step of growth. And I think he, he showed that, and, um, you know, I heard him when he was mic'd up, you know, he was very confident. He was communicating with the guys. Um, obviously they had, um, you know, UD was able to come and, you know, and, and bring, bring some of that leadership as well, along with Bam. Um, but he, he, he just showed that he was confident. Like there was no moment that was too big for him out there in the summer league. He was totally comfortable in every situation he was in. And that's what you want to see from a guy who's had some NBA playing time and a little bit of, you know, experience. And I remember one game, you know, the overtime, two overtime game, I forget who they were playing against, but they just gave him the ball, five, four, three, two, one, game time. And, and that's something that you want to see out of your experienced guys. Yeah, I think I, I saw a quote from Malik Allen, who's coaching that team, and just said, you know, in that sudden death overtime, we just said, hey, we're going to get Max the ball. They basically flattened it out. And like you said, he just took him off the dribble. They gave him too much space. He rose up and, and knocked it down. And, you know, that's a huge confidence builder for a guy like that, that if you think back a year ago, he probably didn't even know if he was going to, you know, find a spot in the NBA. So definitely encouraging. It's great to see the growth in both of those two guys. There was a third guy uh, that's been on the roster for the last two seasons, ha has kind of had some unfortunate things with not having summer league. Uh, the previous year, there was summer league, but he wasn't able to participate. And that's Casey Akpala. He's kind of had an up and down rocky summer league this summer. What did you see with him? I know he played a little better today. I didn't get to catch the game. I only got to see the box score. But what do you see out of KZ? And, and I know it's it's a hotly debated topic if he's going to be able to maybe develop into what some people thought he would. Um, but any observations out of KZ Akpala when you're out there? Um, I didn't see much. Obviously, I saw the raw athleticism. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't really get to see much of his, you know, much of his game. I don't know if it's because, you know, Struess you know, and O'Meara were playing so well and they had the ball most of the time when I saw the game. Um, but from what I for what I could gather, you know, he's actually, a, you know, he's a terrific athlete. You know, he can run and jump. He has some length. Um, but he's still, you know, he has some skill development. But, you know, with this team, he'll be able to practice and develop. And he'll probably, you know, I'm not sure of this, but he'll probably get to play in the G League some. He'll probably get called to play in the G League some as well as to keep his, you know, to keep his uh, game sharp. Um, but he's he's definitely raw and he and he has some work to do. Yeah, I think people forget that he was a second round pick and and we gave up three seconds for him. But you know, when you're a second round pick, there's things you have to develop. You were a second round pick for some reason. People, you know, passed on you. And I, you know, I trust, I guess, that the Heat player development program can find his role. He seems to sometimes be caught in between multiple roles. Like, is he a three or is he a four? You know, is right. he that three and D type that can shoot from the corners? Is he more of a slasher, get downhill, get to the basket? He seems to have a little bit more understanding on the defensive end, especially on the ball. But at times he seems to get lost away from the ball. So it's putting all those things together because it's hard to earn NBA minutes. You know, it's, it's not an easy thing that's just gifted to people. So I think if he can put it all together, he has an opportunity but he's also been here three years. And, and so, you know, that, that time is ticking, you know, when you get to your NBA clock and you're, you know, sometimes the time runs out and you got to find other options, whether it's somewhere else in the league or somewhere else, you know, around the world. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with KZ. No, absolutely. He, the one, the one good thing he got going for him, he has some great examples there on the heat roster that he can learn from. All right. So let's start getting into 
not the entire, you know, summer league roster. We'll just, you know, focus on some of the guys that I thought stood out. And it looks like the two guys that really stood out to me, and I'm really interested to hear what you think about them because I, I feel like they fit the mold of that heat culture dog. They're two point guards that are just aggressive defenders. That's Marcus Garrett and Diggy Giroux. These two have been pressed pretty much from start to finish. What did you see in those two? They're probably the two favorites to get the two-way contracts from the Heat. And uh, just curious what you thought about those two guards. Well, they competed very hard defensively. They're decent athletes, you know, for, for their size. You know, the Heat have a they have a way of developing young players. Their G League program, you know, has been very successful in how they do things and it translates to when they get moved over to the to the NBA team. So I think those guys you know, still have some developing to do. And I think summer league was a great experience for them to be able to continue to play and continue to develop. They fit in with the heat culture and, you know, they competed hard, you know, they, you know, they wasn't worrying about those guys being high draft picks or anything like that. They they wasn't overmatched, you know, they competed every night. And so I believe the longer they're in the program, the, the Miami heat developmental program, I, I believe the better that they will be. Yeah, I like I like their defensive intensity. Uh, they have right. a lot of development that needs to go into the offensive end. They shot it better than maybe I thought, but my expectations were very low based on what I knew about them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about, you know, some of these other guys. I'm just going to throw a couple names out there, and, and if you have anybody else you want to add in, uh, DJ Stewart. He actually just signed today with an Exhibit Ten contract, and what that basically means is this, they're going to be around for the summer league. They're going to be around for training camp, and then they have some protection when they go to Sioux Falls in the G League. Uh, Micah Potter has the same contract with the Heat. He's a, a stretch big that came out of Wisconsin. Uh, RJ Nemhard is, is another guy that stood out at times with them. Um, but, you know, more importantly than maybe just names, if, if you saw anybody that impressed you, but these guys may enter the Heat player development program in the G League in Sioux Falls. And you're someone that has been part of that player development program in Miami, and, and, it, and it has a lot of fame around the league. What do you think about these guys that are very much on the fringe of just making a G League roster? What is it? What is different about the Miami Heat player development program that can elevate these guys and, and hopefully find them a home in the league, whether it's in Miami or somewhere else? Well, the one thing about you know the Miami Heat G League program is that it's specifically for them. Um, you know, some G League programs are showcase you know, for everyone, you know, but the, the Miami Heat, when they send you down to their G League program, it's specifically for the Heat, for the Heat culture. And so, you know, which it can translate to other teams, but, you know, the Heat are more concerned about, you know, their program and what they have going on. So when they send you there, they're sending you there, you know, so that you could possibly fit into what they're doing. And I believe that's probably one of the biggest differences. And there, there are a couple other um, G League, you know, organizations that are like that, that are specific for those teams. Um, and I believe that's that's what I see when I look at the Miami Heat, um, you know, player development program, G League programs that they want to see how you're going to fit into their culture. And if you do well, you might have a chance to make the roster. And if not, you'll still get a chance to showcase. But, you know, more than likely, they want to put you in positions that you're going to probably be in playing for the Heat. And that's, that's what I see. Quick break from the Believe Miami Heat podcast for a word from one of our sponsors. 
Balance 7. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, quote, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com and use code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. And if there's anybody that's a a perfect example of developing a player that maybe had been miscast, undrafted, unwanted for whatever reason. And that's Udonis Haslam who went overseas, went to, went to France, came back to Miami, got in a tryout, made the team. And now we're 19 years later and he's still here. Signed another contract last year or last week, I should say. Uh, the only people in NBA history that have more consecutive years of the same team are now Kobe who had 20 with the Lakers and 21 with Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. What's your reaction? I know where this is going. I think everyone knows where this is going in your opinion of this, but UD is back for his 19th season with the Miami heat. Hey man, that's the cat. That's the captain. Um, that's Mr. Miami. Um, his value is not just, it's about being on the court, you know, his value to the organization, to the fabric of the organization, you know, the way he practices every day, the way he prepares, the example he sets, um, his words of encouragement, his community outreach, you know, his business acumen, you know, he's just, he's 305, man. He's Mr. 305, and it's great that he's been able to develop in the heat culture for 19 seasons it's great that the team supports him and you know allows him to continue to be on the roster you know even as he's aging and showing the support you know because he you know he sacrificed early and took some pay cuts early in his career you know for for them to continue to allow him to let his you know example show to the young players of not just the heat but just the overall nba you know he's just a great you know representation of developing lasting in this league and um you know i appreciate ud and any any teammate who's ever been with ud we definitely appreciate what he brings to the table and we get to have that for another at least another season yeah for those of us who haven't been a teammate of ud um i don't know if you heard the duncan podcast with him the long shot pod that came out last week it was it was incredible i mean ud being himself there's a it's it's not for kids. There's a lot of expletives in there. That's UD being himself. He's just speaking, you know, how he feels. And right. him and Duncan went back and forth talking about the heat development, the culture, his time in Miami, his time when he had to go overseas and trying to keep himself on the same schedule as America. So when he got back, he'd be ready. And he has so many great one-liners. Like it's almost stuff you have to write down of how he inspires people, how he lives his life. He talked about, you know, his interest are not in coaching. You know, a lot of people have been saying, you know, why doesn't UD just become a coach? He doesn't play. He should just be a coach. He said flat out no to coaching, like period, end of discussion. He's not going to coach. He wants, he wants to be an owner. He wants to go into business. He's already doing that. He's doing things in his community. So 
It's a great listen. If you haven't listened to it yet, check that podcast out, Long Shot Pod with Duncan Robinson and UD. Because if you listen to that, you leave understanding really the inside info of why UD is so important to this franchise. And I know you've experienced, you know, more so than any of us. And, and I just, I hope everybody appreciates him because at some point he's not going to be able to come back. He's going to hang it up. And I think he's going to be sorely missed when he's not in that locker room. Absolutely. He's going to be missed. Uh, anybody that has played with UD knows he's, he's pure to winning. And, um, you know, his, his approach is not for the faint at heart. You know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put your big boy shoes on, you know, when you, when you're dealing with UD because, you know, he's a man and he addresses everyone as such. You know, he's an intense individual, but he's a loving and, and a giving individual. You know, he supports all of his teammates. Anything that you need, you know, he'll, he'll get it for you. And if he can't get it for you, he'll find a resource so that you can be provided for. And on the court, he's going to protect you. You know, he's going to rebound hard. He's going to run the floor hard. You know, when he's not in the game, he's going to support you. He's going to cheer you on. He's going to let you know what you're doing wrong. You know, he's going to motivate you. You know, he's just going to challenge everyone to raise their level of play, all with the purpose of winning. And that's what you got to understand with dealing with UD. All he cares about is getting the W. And when you have a player that's pure to that, you know, you, you got to love him. All right. So you just reminded me of one thing. And he tells a great story about what happened when he had to retaliate against Tyler Hansborough. <laughs> oh man oh man yeah i was there I, front and center <laughs> if you want to share anything what was your perspective of it he he talks about you know spo kind of told him not to do anything and and he basically let spo know like okay you know what's going to happen like there's nothing you can do about it let me handle this i'm going to protect Dwayne. like you just said he's gonna protect his teammates what did you see you know from your perspective of all that well, one, it was a close series. We were competing, going back and forth with Indiana, so every play counted down the stretch. But, you know, he, you know, Tyler made a dirty foul on D-Wade, you know, and, you know, everyone was, you know, told UD it's okay, like, like not right now, like, let, let it go, let it go. And, and UD said, okay, like, okay. But the very next play, Tyler Hansborough had an open layup, and guess who just so happened to be under the basket? It just so happened to be UD. So you know he had to take advantage of that opportunity. You know, if it would have been a different situation, it probably wouldn't have happened. Like, if UD wasn't the one under the basket, it probably wouldn't have happened until maybe the next game because it was going to happen. It was no question that UD was going to get him. But it just so happened to be the next play. Tyler Hansborough had an open lane, and UD was standing under the basket. And, of course, we all know what happened. He punished him. <laughs> And nobody yeah. said nothing. It is what it is. You know, when UD go into that mode, you just wait till he calm down and talk to him afterwards. That's that's pure UD right there, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's move into our last segment here to talk about the roster construction. And, uh, you know, would you agree with me here at this point? We're looking like a starting five of Bam, PJ, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry. I think the only question maybe is with the PJ – is it, is it a power forward? Would you agree with that? Or do you think somebody else may slide into that power forward spot? Uh, I think it'll depend on who they're playing against and what Spo wants to do. Um, the one thing that they have is versatility. Um, they have some guys that can play the three and the four, and they also have Bam who can also play the five and the four, dep depending on the matchup, depending on who they're playing. So 
uh, PJ Tucker gets some four. Bam, sometime it gets some four. Keep Marquise more uh, the Morris twin. He'll um, he'll get some of that four position. And then you know when you go against you know you know depending on the matchups, you can go you know Bam can play the four sometime, and you can put in um, Dittman. You know, or if you want to you know try the young fellow Omir sometime in there, you know he can he can play the five, and you can slide Bam to the four. You know, obviously you got, you know, UD can, can step in, you know, if, if Spo wants to play him, he's always prepared, but you know, they're mobile, man. They have guys that can play two and three positions and that's, that's what counts. Yeah. I definitely agree about the versatility. I wanted to start, you know, just talking about the depth and you've talked many times as we've been talking about the NBA playoffs, talking about the heat, about the second unit and how important a second unit is to winning i mean ultimately at the end of the day if your second unit is poor you're going to end up having to make up for it with your starters play and and so you know it's one of the things that i believe your big three teams you guys had a great second unit you could go out there and compete you could beat other teams second units and then it made the job easier for the starters so when you're looking at this second unit gabe vincent as your backup point guard at the at the moment there's other guys that can facilitate and I know it's not necessarily linear, meaning that like when Kyle goes out, Gabe goes in. If he's the backup point guard, it could be other guys. It could be that Jimmy plays point for a while. It could be that maybe Tyler plays point or Oladipo when he's healthy plays point. What do you see? You know, Gabe Vincent, he he had a good showing with Nigeria. Uh, he didn't participate in summer league coming right out of the Olympics. What do you see potentially with him? Or do you think it could be somebody else? Like, can he rise up to the occasion of being a full-time backup point guard? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think time will tell. And like I keep saying, the one good thing is if he's not ready, you know, Jimmy can play the point. Tyler can play the point. You know, if uh, Oladipo is healthy, he can play the point. You know, and obviously, you know, Bam can play point forward and initiate offense. So uh, I don't think, that's a big, big concern. Um, but if he's ready, you know, that'll be a good thing. But if he's not ready, there's ways that, you know, they can play around that so that Kyle Lowry can have some relief minutes. And what do you think about, you know, moving up to the off guard spot, you know, Tyler hero had, you know, kind of a up and down season. Some people say he regressed and really in the numbers, he did, he still averaged 15 points a game as a sophomore. His shooting wasn't as great from the three point arc. Um, but it was a weird season. You know, last year you talk about that really with any team, not just to make an excuse. He's kind of headlining our second unit and, and probably you ha- you would have to imagine, I would think he's going to be the leading scorer off the bench, kind of our sixth man. How do you feel about him? You know, especially until Oladipo comes back and gives you another guy off the bench as sort of our, our sixth man and, and kind of that scoring punch. Oh, I, f- I feel he'll be fine. The one thing we got to, we got to kind of slow down with an NBA. We, we think everyone is supposed to be an instant star or instant superstar. And we don't give these young guys a chance to develop. And um, I believe Tyler had a solid year last year. Obviously he had some ups and downs, but that's what happens when you're a young player in this league. Every young player has ups and downs, you know, even, even the ones that are superstars, even they go through a little bit of ups and downs. So the ones that are not superstars, of course, they're going to have their ups and downs. And so I believe Tyler will be fine. I believe he's he's working on his game. Um, he understands his role on the team, and I think he's going to do a great job of uh, coming off the bench, uh, bringing that spark offensively. And, and similarly, behind 
Jimmy Butler at the three, it looks like it's probably Max Struess, uh, maybe Casey Akpala, but obviously, as we talked about earlier, you know, kind of a questionable summer league. And there's not a whole lot of other guys that play that three position, unless you're willing to slide down Markeith Morris or slide down PJ Tucker. What do you see? Do you trust in going with a guy like Max Struess? It's kind of the same question I asked about Gabe Vincent. These kind of unproven guys, they deserve an opportunity, I feel like. But this is a team that's supposed to be competing and contending. Is it is it worrisome in a way to rely on guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, and in this case, Max Struess being the backup small forward? Um, I I wouldn't be worried because even though I don't know, I never read where he's the backup small forward, but they can play positionless basketball. A lot of those guys can play positionless basketball, and so you know, Jimmy can play multiple positions and. Long as he's healthy, he can play a lot of minutes. Um, but Struess can come in and play a little bit. But you know, you can slide the Morris. You know, you can slide the Morris twin down and play the three some. You know, depending on the lineup, you can, like I said, if Victor Ladipo is healthy, he can play that. You know, you can put Duncan Robinson there and and put two other guards in there if you want to. You know, or you can and play big. You know, you can play big with Morris Baum and. You know, Tucker, like there's different combinations that you can put in there to when when Jimmy Butler goes out the game to play the three. And obviously, Struess, you know, if he's ready, you know, you're going to give him a chance to play. But I don't think you have to worry about the depth chart too much because you have a lot of guys that can play positionless basketball. Guys that can play the one, two and three. Guys that can play the three and the four. Guys that can play the four and the five. And in this NBA, you're going to have to be able to play that way because, you know, when you play against teams like Brooklyn, no, they got three and four guys out there that can all dribble, all shoot, all pass, playmakers, and you got to be able to match up with that. And same thing in uh, Milwaukee. You no, know, you got four guys on their team that can dribble, pass, and shoot and score. So you have to be able to match up with that. So you have to be able to play positionless basketball in this NBA. And I think that the roster the Heat has, you know, is set up to compete with that. And I believe Struess, you know, if, if he's ready. I think he can hold his own for for those, you know, for those little bit of minutes that Jimmy's going to be out. Because, you know, Jimmy's not going to be out long. You know, you know he's going to be in great shape. As long as he's not injured, you know, he's going to be, you know, in the, in the mix. And so I believe their roster is just fine. And if it's not, you know, the man upstairs, Pat Riley, would make changes. Yeah, we do know that. And you've already kind of touched <laughs> on the front court. So I'm not going to go back through the front court. And it, it plays right into what you just talked about is versatility. You have Markeith Morris that can play the four and the five. I really like the potential of him playing a stretch five because of the way he can shoot the ball and do things in the middle of the court. You talked about Dwayne Dedman. Obviously, he's a five. Omer can play the five, gives you a little bit different look. Um, you have PJ Tucker that has played five before. You know, Houston really changed their whole approach by putting him at the five and trading Clint Capello away a few years ago. So all these puzzle pieces, you know, the, the way that Spolstra can move them around and you just went through the guards, the same thing. I think it gives you, like you said, the versatility to match up with different teams. There's going to be times where guys play 14, 15, 16 minutes. And there might be a different matchup where they don't play at all. I mean, it's, it's right. just based on matchups in a lot of way. And it doesn't mean that they're not good players. It just means that the fit for that night, your goal is to win the game and, and you put the best players out there that give you the best opportunity to win. And I think Eric Spolster is going to like the fit of the roster, maybe more so than what we had last year. I agree. I totally agree with that. 
I'm going to close it up. Good, with, it's always good to have more than what you need. It's always better to be able to, you know, have more than what you actually need. That gives you some flexibility. And I believe Spo is going to do a great job of, you know, pl- you know, doing what he needs to do with the roster and putting, putting the pieces where they need to be. I agree with that. I'm going to close up with one question. I saw this on Twitter earlier in the week, and I thought it was a, an interesting fan question. Norris, if you could choose between these two things, one of the two, would you rather have coming out of this offseason, Jimmy Butler has developed a three-point shot. Let's say he shoots in the high 30% or Bam develops a more back-to-the-basket postgame. If I could choose. Like which would open up more for the Heat offense? I would say I would probably say Jimmy Butler's three. I would say having Jimmy Butler's three because Bam can score his back to the basket. I mean, he didn't do it a whole bunch, but he's definitely capable of doing that. But Jimmy Butler's three three ball that would open up. He's already you know a force in the NBA, but that will open up even more, even more. You know options on the offensive end for the Heat and for him because it's already hard to guard him and you know he's not going to shoot the three. So imagine if he was shooting in the high thirties and still giving you the mid range game and the post up game. That would that would bring so many more you know dynamics to the Heat offense. And and guess what? I think he's working on it. Well, wouldn't that be a surprise? You know, you think about it. He didn't have an off season or much of an off season last year because of the short you know off season after the finals, and now this summer. He's had a lot of time. We talked about it, you know, when we first started recording together that the offseason was going to be long and these guys are going to have an opportunity to work. I did see he posted a video that he was working with somebody earlier in the week. You know he's putting in that grind. Um, that would be great. If he came out with a three-point shot, he's going to come back improved in some way. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's he's a guy that grinds. So I'll be excited to see what happens, not just with him, but all these guys. What's coming out of the offseason when they hit training camp and how they've improved? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, Jimmy, he's a – you know, he's a star in this league and, and you know, he he understands, you know, what he brings to the table. And he, he, like you said, he's always going to bring bring something back from the offseason. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody turning into this week, uh, listening to the Believe in Miami Heat podcast every week. Last week, we had one of our most listened to episodes. It was over 500 listens, I think. So it was really, really good. I appreciate that. We both appreciate that. Definitely like and subscribe, you know, get our podcast every week. And Norris, I'm going to let you close us out. Heat Nation. Another episode, Believe in Podcast. Get the likes up. Get the comments up. Make sure you subscribe. We'll see you next week. And we out! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.